All episodes of the Garage Build podcast are recorded live in the Law Fran studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN or go to lawfran.com. The law offices of Fran Hosh, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for over 20 years. Welcome back to the Garage Bill Podcast. Fantastic episode here. We're getting ready for the V Twin Visionary in Maryville, Tennessee at Smoky Mountain Harley Davidson. Unfortunately, yours truly is not going to be able to enjoy the uh, the festivities this year. Got too much going on with the daughter's wedding. This episode of the Garage Bill Podcast was recorded in the Law Friend Studios. Call 1 866 Law Friend and follow at Fran Hosh Law Group. We're also brought to you by SNS Cycles. Since 1958, SNS has led the V Twin aftermarket from innovative new ways to get air and fuel into your performance twin to big bore kits for all big twins, sportsters, and M8s to today's must have exhaust components. Choose SNS Cycles for your next performance upgrade. Visit sscycle.com and follow SNS Cycles on social media at SS Cycles. We're also brought to you by Team Dream Rides in Maryville, Tennessee, located only minutes from the tail of the dragon. Dream Ride specializes in performance engine upgrades, used bike sales, service maintenance, and repair. Visit TeamDreamRides.com or follow at Tennessee on Instagram to keep up with all the latest news. The High Seas Rally sets sail this October 29th through November 5th on the High Seas for the only motorcycle rally on a cruise ship. One week, 3,500 bikers and four Caribbean ports. Follow at High Seas Rally on Instagram and use the code SPEEDMETAL when you book and you're going to save 100 bucks on your cabin price. And this year, we're throwing in the drink card. Still a couple more weeks yet to book, so let's get this thing going here, folks. As always, we are also brought to you by 1620 Workwear, premium made in the USA workwear, guaranteed for life. Visit 1620USA.com and use the discount code SPEED2022. You're going to save 20% at checkout. Also, follow at 1620USA. This is a fantastic episode. Very, very, very near and dear to me. One of my best friends, kind of like a kid brother. Nothing Stock Cam, a.k.a. King Baby, a.k.a. Big Baby. Cameron Edwards is getting ready for VTV, building a bike here at Cycle Stop USA named Ruby. We're going to talk all about that. And uh, we're going to dedicate this episode to James Melton, who was one of Cameron's best friends. You're listening to the Garage Build Podcast with your host, Jason Coleman. I wanted that to be like a perfect read. And I get sometimes, I don't know why I do it, but I get off the script that I write for myself. And then I get all, it gets fucked up. <laughs> I was wondering what happened. I saw a little giggle happening. No, yeah, I I, I kind of lost my shit there for a minute, but I, I don't I don't get enough opportunity to have somebody in the same room as me when I'm podcasting. Most of the time, it's over the airwaves or on a phone call or on a you know on a Zoom call, something like that. So it's it's always and I don't get to use my drops either. I haven't used my drops in such a long time. Let me see what, what I have here. I've got. Calling you back to uh, let you know that I I love you and I miss you. Aww. 
I forgot I put that one on there. I send that to my wife fairly often. I need that to be the ringtone. Karen gets so mad at me for that one. She just goes, that's not, she thinks it's actually, some, well, she, it might be somebody who's actually sad. I think so. <laughs> I have this one too. This one's one of my favorites. Yeah, of course. Thank that's what you, I live man. for. Fixing other people's shit for free. <laughs> That's from Sex Drive? Yeah, that's yeah. from Sex Drive with Seth Green. <laughs> and then I think I still have two more on here. Oh, look. A dandelion. Must be the last one this season. Okay, so I don't care for her. No, but that, to me, the ridiculous nature of that, because she looks like she's really hot, but uh -huh. she's got her fucking eyes all yeah. screwed up on the Instagram thing. Yeah. And just the it's from Ice Age. You know yeah. that, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember what this one is. I've got to get the timing down better on these things. Give the, me a second. I'm trying to... Uh, it's a great movie. I can see it's, it. It's one of my favorite movies. I can movies. see the entire cast. He's, he's the same dude that goes, here we go, galaxy, yeah. here we go. Uh -huh. The guy's like, sit down. <laughs> All right, what's the movie? I Love You, Man. Yeah. God, that's such a great movie. Yeah. Paul Rudd and uh, and Jason Siegel. Yeah. Right? I wish they would do, I had like a whole concept set up for, um, the, the name of the movie would have been I, and then in parentheses, still, Love you, man. Mm -hmm. And the, the concept was my idea for part two was going to be, you know how he had that condo set up and he was going to, he bought that property where he proposed to his girlfriend at the yep. beginning of that movie, right? Yep. Well, so they get married. They get paid back by Jason Siegel because remember he loaned him that money and did all the billboard. billboard his yep. business skyrockets, right? Yep. So now he's building the condo complex. Mm -hmm. He hires Jason Siegel because Jason Siegel's proved his worth to him that he's honest and trustworthy and he's a good investor, right? Yep. So when it's all said, he they're, they're investment partners on this. This is where he gets the funding for, right? His business, his real estate business skyrockets, but also he's got this infusion of cash from Jason Siegel. Mm -hmm. You know the crazy girlfriend that is uh, partners with. Um, the, uh, Paul Rudd's wife at the end of the movie. Yes. Right? The, the crazy girl. Yeah. Well, so on after the wedding at that hotel, that dude, Jason Siegel, sleeps with her and gets her pregnant. <laughs> pa and, and Paul Rudd and his wife get pregnant too. And so now, like, at the beginning of the movie, everybody's happy, right? She shows up at the construction site. He's got the hard hat and the suit on and everything, you know, and she's like, hey, I'm pregnant. They're super excited. And the girlfriend is, like, not saying nothing. And Jason Siegel's like, that's horrible. Yeah, that's horrible. You're having a kid. You're trying to build this thing, you know, because he's such a negative guy about, like, the, the relationship shit. Yeah. And then he finds out that he knocked this girl up on that one-night stand. And so the 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 antagonist of the movie is the kids are coming. They're trying to get this condo thing done. Of course, their, their friendship is tested. Um, Zoe and, uh, and, and Paul Rudd are doing great. Jason Siegel and this girl try to be boyfriend, girlfriend doesn't work. Right. And then at the end of the movie, the baby comes anyway. So it's kind of like, um, knocked up and, um, I get it. Uh, this is, this is 40. Mm-hmm all kind of rolled into one but mm -hmm. it, i just look you know what the outcome of that movie is when you sit down and it starts you already know what's going to happen but in the middle of the thing you're going to laugh your fucking ass off and that's what i like about those judd apatow movies is you, you always laugh at those movies what is the uh, there's a saying i think someone's it's statistic uh that everybody knows someone within like three people 
You know what it's I'm saying? Six, six degrees of separation. That's it. Six degrees of separation. So if anybody's listening to this that knows Paul Judd Apatow or, or, or Paul Rudd, right. yeah, put it in their ear. It's a good sequel, right? Yeah. I mean, it's that would be that would be the most ideal situation. If somebody know, if anybody's listening, <laughs> and I'll help write the movie. Yeah, I have a couple concepts for things like that. I mean, I get moved by things that 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 happen that, that you know from from time to time uh, that make me think about those kind of deals. You know, sure. so sure. but. Um, so it's been, dude, it's been a long time. I went back and looked. It's been a long time since you and I have podcasted years. I think the last one we did was when me, you and Hawks were in Texas with, uh, Cody during COVID in 2020. Yep. Was that 2020 or 2021? I think it was 2020. It was, it had to be because 21 Cody didn't go to Sturgis, but Cody went to Sturgis that year that we all went. You didn't go in 20, right? You didn't go in 20. I skipped 20. I went in 21. And then skipped 22 because yeah, of the house. Yeah. That's right. Damn. It, I cannot believe how fast how fast things move. Mm -hmm. You and I have known each other now this year a decade. Ten Has it years. been that long? 10 years. Yep. 2012. When did you work for Cycle Stop? 2012. I thought, why do I keep going back to you? You never worked at know. the Tampa location. I didn't. I was there when you opened it. You had just taken it over and opened that store. And I kind of went back and forth helping you with some things. But no, I, I was. At I have a picture of us podcasting there. I was trying to yeah. put a podcast studio in there. Don't post that picture. Dude, you're it's laughing horrible. so hard. You have a Johnny Cash shirt on. I think uh -huh. it's in my favorites. Yeah. It's a funny picture. So, um,. A lot has gone on in the last couple of years, obviously. Um, let's talk about, so you've been here, you've been spent, you spent the last, the good deal of the last week here getting ready for V2 and Visionary this year. And this is the fourth time you're going to V2 and Visionary because you went the first year in Tennessee. That's when you won with the big bad, uh, the big boy FXR. Mm -hmm. And then you went, uh, we went the year after that, I came up with my Swatch FXR. Yep. And then last year was, um, I don't even remember being able to ride last year. Was it raining? It, I think it was raining last year most of the time. No, it wasn't. Karen and I actually did ride, but it was, I, I stopped there on the way back from the Cape. If that's you remember, right. you that's were already right. in Tennessee. That's right. And, uh, and that was a, that was a lot of traveling. I did a lot of traveling last year. I have done, there's been so much going on with me this year that, Anything before this year, before the house, really, mm -hmm. I'm just, it's a blur. Seriously. Yeah, I know. That's the way things go, I think, with, with the older I get, that seems to be the, the order of the day. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so you're going to V-Twin Visionary this weekend. Yes. And so let's talk about Ruby. Who's Ruby? Tell me who Ruby is. All right. So a, a year ago uh, this week, um, Someone you know, uh, one of my closest guys, his name was James Melton. Uh, we were up uh, for the V-Twin Visionary Show just to ride around and do the whole event. And we were at uh, Dream Rides, Tennessee with John Jessup and his crew. And he had just taken in a, uh, a, a little 92 FXR L that uh, needed a lot of help. He hadn't done anything to it. He just kind of picked it up and was going to flip it. And James saw it, and it was a good deal. So I, I told him, I said, "Hey, you should buy that." Right. So he called. Uh, he called his wife, and surprisingly, there was no kickback at all. She said, "You know what? You should do it." So he did, and uh, the bike was like a. 
I don't know Harley stock, you know, factory color codes or anything, but it looked like a ruby red. And so he was like, what should I name the bike? I said, well, I think Ruby. Well, it so happens that his maternal grandmother's name was Ruby and my maternal grandmother's name was Ruby as well. So it just all worked. And, uh, that's it. That's how we got the name Ruby. Ruby is shaping up to be a really cool little build that I'm so happy to unveil this year, one year later at the same event in Maryville, Tennessee. Well, so let's back up and talk a little bit. They, <clears throat> Ruby is besides being your and James, uh, maternal grandmother's name, James passed away back in February. Yes, correct. And, uh, unfortunately, I mean, it was unexpected. It was on a motorcycle, unfortunately. I mean, sometimes these things happen and it was not his fault. It was somebody was not being a, a safe driver. And, um, it was a combination of being an unsafe driver and some construction issues. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, when you ride, you have to be very cognizant of that. I think I, sure. it's part of, I try to, I try to coach people that, and I'm by no means my instructor, but I have spent my entire life on two wheels in one way or another. And, um, you to try to teach somebody and you know, try to instruct somebody or, you know, give somebody some advice is you, you know, it's not a defensive. It's, you can't ride in a defensive position. You have to ride in an offensive position. And, and I, I won't deviate from that. Um, when you know, I, when I started riding 20 years ago, someone, uh, that I'm real close with told me, you have to run the road or the road will run, run you. you. Yeah. And you that is so true. Yeah. You have to, you have to choose your, choose your line and, and stay in it, you know, stay your, you know, pick your line, hold it. And, uh, and you know, you kind of, you got to take what comes at your way, but, um, that's a, that's something that I try to convey to people, especially new riders. Cause you know, having a bike shop, there's always a, a fresh crop of new riders coming in. You know, uh, we do a lot of stuff here at cycle stop and, as far as like, you know, um, everything from oil changes up to builds and stuff. So we have, we run the gamut when it comes to people coming through the door. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if you know this or not, but actually earlier I was helping field a call here at the shop where uh, a gentleman that bought a bike the day he bought it threw it down right, right down the road from here. And yeah. so, and uh, it was a kid he bought, it was, yeah. A, yeah, it was, that was my bike he bought. Oh, was it? That was my Sportster, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. He bought my 1200 uh, S Sportster. Wow. And on the way home, I guess, ate shit. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you try to have the conversation, and I did with the kid. At least, here's what I'll tell you. That kid had a had a $800 Simpson helmet. Okay. So he's not, and he had gloves. Sure. You know, he's not, he, I don't, he didn't come off as an idiot. Sure. You know, but seat time is seat time. Ooh, so true. You know, you cannot replace that there's no amount and there's no amount of closed course riding Mm -hmm. it's totally different like i would not be comfortable and i would not be adept and i would not be in my comfort zone on a racetrack so true story i was 14 years old i was able i i I found a loophole and was able to get a driver's license at 15 in texas it was called a hardship license well at 14 uh, I already knew that I was going to come up and, and be into motorcycling because my dad was, my brother was already, my mm-hmm. older brother. And uh, so my dad told my brother, you know, we need to teach him how to ride a motorcycle before he drives a car because, you know, the whole, you know, you need to pay attention to your surroundings, pay yeah. attention to motorcycle riders. 
So I remember being 14 in our neighborhood, the, the house you've actually seen in Baytown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were uh, there when we went in Galveston. We went through there. Chet, uh, he was he had a an old, I think it's like a 98 or a 99 Suzuki Intruder 800. Now, at 14, I was still a very large kid, <laughs> and I looked really funny on a Suzuki Intruder 800. But I'll never forget Chet. I mean, for hours you know, over the course of two days. I just went back and forth, back and forth. He was teaching me the clutch and everything. And then uh, Dad uh, got me a, a BMW K1200LT. And for a whole year, from the time I got that bike, and that's a big touring bike. It's got a trunk and saddlebags. It's huge. For a whole year before I got a driver's license, every single day when I got home from school, Dad put me on that BMW and he said, you ride this neighborhood, don't stop. Right. And I had a, I'll never forget, I had like a modular helmet. And I'll get on that bike. And I rode the whole neighborhood is a big circle. You, there's two entrances, one in, you know, and, and then a second out. And I rode round and round that neighborhood hundreds of miles. And the whole neighborhood's a mile, like from start to, I rode hundreds. It could have been more than a thousand miles in that year that I rode every day after school. And then when I got my license, the first thing we did, Dad took me to Colorado. We rode from Baytown, Texas, to uh, through you know North Texas, New Mexico. We hit the Rocky Mountains. Didn't you ride on the back on that trip? No, I no. was I was on the BMW. <clears throat> Didn't you go on a long trip though when you were a kid? You yeah. told me one time. Oh yeah, we we went on a bunch of trips as a family. My mom would ride with Dad. Chet had a Honda Valkyrie, which is a pretty good size, pretty big bike. You know, like the size of a Road King. Right. And I rode on the back with him when I was you know 10, 11 in that age range. And so uh, when I was 15 and got that license, we went up to Colorado, and he said, okay, now I'm going to teach you the curves. And when I learned how to ride curves with him, and again, that takes a lot of seat time, Yeah. but that's when I was like, I'm in love with motorcycling. I could care less about drag racing, going straight. Anybody who comes up to me and says, oh, you're a big guy, I'll take you all day. Run me through the curves. I'll, right. sh I'll show you what's up. You Because you... you there's a lot of people that can drag race light to light. I'm not that guy, but I will take you in the curves. I'm not saying you. No, no, I know, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah the av yeah. the per average person who wants to challenge you, yeah, I get it. Yeah, you, it just means you're confident in your in your riding ability, and right. that you should be. That's the other thing too is you can't. There's a fine line between arrogance and confidence, and you have to be confident enough to ride in in the public. And I'll be honest with you, dude. I grew up on two wheels. Um, when I was like 13 years old, my dad brought home the Suzuki like a RM 90 or something mm -hmm. that, uh, I know now that, I mean, it was a kickstart two stroke premix mm -hmm. deal. And, um, it didn't have a shifter arm on it. Mm -hmm. It was just in second gear. Wow. <laughs> so, and I, I grew up on property in the city. Yeah. So the property next to us that, that we didn't own it, but it had previously been owned by the family who owned our house and built our house in the 1800s. Because we bought our house from the original owner. Okay. They built it in 18, like in 1890, and we bought it from the original owner's kid who wow. was, the kid was, this is a 1986, he was 85 years old. Mm -hmm. So he was born in 1901, mm -hmm. and we bought, hid the house that his parents had built, you know, 10 years prior to him being born. So what, you've seen the other property I'm going to talk about now. I grew up on with Chad on 14 acres. Yeah. And on that property, we had... A That's little, in Waxahachie, right? Uh, just just outside of Waxahachie. Oh, Villa is the little area. But That's yeah, right. Waxahachie, shout out Jace Hudson. Uh, 
So that's where we grew up, and we had a little Honda ATC 73-wheeler. God, those rule. Yeah, and we had a go-kart. And that's where I really learned how to ride. And, dude, confirm this. Anybody who listens, y'all can confirm this. Instagram message chat or anybody. I was two years old on that ATC 70. I was coming nowhere near to touching pegs, so I couldn't shift gears. It was a three-speed. Yeah. And so Chet would put it in second, and he taught me how to take off out of second. And I would wind that sucker all over 14 acres, just couldn't change gears. It was hilarious. Yeah, we have a customer who had a uh, a real nice Honda 70 that he brought here that he restored. Remember, I bought two of them, uh, what was that, two years ago. And I had ideas of grandeur and never ended up doing anything with What'd them. What'd you do with them? I sold them. I, it was too much. I took them to a little repair shop outside of where I live in Jacksonville. And he was like, man, I... I'm going to charge you like three grand a piece to restore these. That's not, you know, they're worth a little money now, fully restored. Yeah, but, but that's like, 2020. Yeah. That's 2020 money. Yeah, I know. It's funny how that happens. Like we're in, you know, we're obviously we're in 2022 right now and yeah. things are, things are, have definitely slowed down. Interest rates are up and, sure. um, you know, there's all kinds of shit going on, going on around the globe. Um, and so I don't think that that kind of money really yeah. exists right now. Probably not. Not for those type of things. Not for those. Just what do you? I mean, you know that for all intents and purposes, that is that is not even disposable income money. That's I mean, that's throwing it to the fucking. That is a that is something that you that there's no return. There's no ROI on a on a fucking three wheel. Hindsight twenty twenty though, you know. My Funny bro- you just said twenty twenty. My yeah. My brother and I shared that, and the two I bought, one was an 82, which is his birth year, and one was an 86, which is mine. I should have kept them. Yeah, I mean, but there's all kinds of things we should have should yeah, have kept. And for sure. Get back to, let's get back to Ruby and talk yep. about, so um, this is this is the first time that you've actually, um, but so we clear, so, so that we're clear, Cameron doesn't actually physically build his bikes but you always have you know nothing stock cam is your moniker on instagram this is the first time you've done a frame up ground up custom motorcycle this yeah this, that's true um most of my stuff prior to this one have been baggers that's the first thing and uh they've never i've never gone as far to pull uh the entire drivetrain out of the frames i've taken it down um but this is every nut, every bolt. Oh, this was everything. every wire. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, we, everything has been taken down. On this one, the frame was refinished at the powder coater. Uh, yeah, every single nut and bolt on this one has been touched, for sure. You happy with it? Um, I right to right this second. I'm I'm stressed. Uh, I'm very happy with everything that's been done to date, and I know that I'm going to be happy uh, tonight or early tomorrow morning. But right now I'm exhausted. We've uh, been doing 14-hour days here at uh, Cycle Stop USA uh, for the past three. You got days. here when well, you got here Saturday. I got here, I got here Saturday. The past three days we've been doing 14-hour days, and uh, oh, we're so close. It's right now. It's little detail stuff that just time-consuming. That's what I try to tell people, and that's the biggest takeaway for for this for my team is that like I I've been hands off mm. on this mm-hmm. <clears throat> by design. Um, you try to explain to people, you know, whether it be a customer, whether it be an employee, whether it be somebody who you meet at a show, you know, like when these, these, 
we go to lots of shows and, and people have, you know, they, they want to show people are proud of what they do. So they want to show you their motorcycle. And I always want to try to acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. And I always want to give those people that time, uh, especially if they, if they come to me and they want to show me mm -hmm. what they've done. I mean, you know, that's, I want people to be proud of what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's impossible to articulate the level of, um, the amount of work that building a custom motorcycle truly is. It, it, it's, it's not something you can't even contextualize it and put it into an amount of hours to build a bike with a swing arm frame. Um, that's easily a hundred hours. There's a hundred man hours in anything with a swing arm. Sure. No, that's not including, you know, fabrication of any component. That's, right. that's, you know, disassembly organization, paint, powder coat, chrome, you know, part selection, uh, nuts, bolts, all that stuff. And then it goes back together. Even if everything goes swimmingly, it's a hundred hours. A bagger is 120 hours and that's no fab work. That's just a part because you have to put it together and take it apart and put it together and take it apart. Like the big baggers you do mm -hmm. a rigid swing arm bike. That's a, that's an 80 hour job. Sure. No fabrication though, but 80 hours gets you your engine in lined up tank on mounted you know, fender on, rear, mounted, you know, your wheel spacers, all the spacing of that, but that's not making custom exhaust. That's not modifying the frame to fit something that wasn't maybe done correctly previously or a major change where you're trying, you've got to cut the backbone out to fit something in and modify it or what, you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. Like, so when you have these component things, so it's so hard to get customers to understand that there, there's no way to articulate it. Like they see it on, they remember seeing it on biker build off mm -hmm. or they know somebody who did it in their garage. Mm -hmm. And then you take a garage builder that did it quickly or that did it the first time. There's no way. I don't care who you are. Your first bike's not going to be as good as your second bike. And <laughs> your first bike's not going to be as good as my 50th or 60th motorcycle that I've built. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how many I've built, but you know, I've, I've done a ton and I can tell you that the ones I did very early in my career, there's a couple of those I'd really like to get, get back in my hands and fix a couple of things that I've learned because if you're not learning, you're not, you're not growing, you know, you're changing. Perfect example of that is the big boy FXR. I, I, I had it built the first time I, I designed what I wanted, told everybody what I wanted to do and built it the first time. And I had it for two or three months and I said, mm, I don't like it. So then I tore it all down and did it a second time. Well, what did you do the first? I'm trying to remember. Because it started out as a police road king, did it not? It did. It was a 2010 police road king. Uh, and So that still had the old bags with the twist knobs. Yep, hockey puck. Right, hockey, hockey puck, puck bags. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I bought the bike thinking that my wife was going to ride with me. So I bought a, a Razor Tour pack and all that kind of stuff. And she, she decided, no, I'm not going to ride. So then I – it's funny – I, you know, I didn't invent it by any means, but I, that what I can recall, I think there were like two or three quote unquote performance baggers at the time. And I said, I love those builds. So that's what I went after. So the first time I picked up a uh, audio fairing from Big Sean, TOL Designs, uh, and I did uh like the knockoff pelicans from harbor freight i think they're called um apache brand bags you know like um cases for the saddlebags yeah. 
anyway, I, I just did things a little on the cheap side. That's my fault. You know, I should have realized, you know, what it was going to turn into and, and gone full force the first time. But anyway, so I got it all finished and it did win something at a show. Uh, and then I just decided, okay, I won something. So now what? And uh, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to just buy a new bike and start over from scratch. So I said, well, I've got this bike, I've got a payment on it. So why don't I just tear it down and do it again? So I did it a second time <laughs> and the same thing happened. So then I tore it down and again. And now is the third and final time that bike has been torn down and redone. Cause now I think it looks the best it ever has. And I don't, I really don't think other than a couple of minor parts that could still be added, I don't think it could get much better. Fish Alleyway Customs just didn't finish the paint job on that, and it is absolutely gorgeous. Well, you changed, you did change fairings. I did. I went um, to Russ Wernermont Design Fairing. Uh, it's a little more narrow. It doesn't have the audio. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't have the com- the capability of the audio the way that the toll does. Right. Um, it's funny because when we were in Galveston last year, that bike was like kind of. follow me on this it was like it was transitioning from a a woman into a man right but it was in that period that gestation period where they make you live your life as a woman right you have titties but a man's voice yeah like you like (laughs) it's transitioning into what it's going to be and but you have to live a certain amount of time like that Uh, to make sure that you're actually when you go through the final operation (laughs) that you're gonna be happy with it because dave perowitz walked up and he goes jason he goes whose bike is that and i go that's cameras and he goes what's he doing with it because it's all over the all over the place i go it's it's listen it's it's pre-op it's not you it's living his life as a it's going from being a cop bike to living its life as a performance bagger but it's in that gestation period it had that wonky ass epic moto front that ugly ass fucking i could say it now that ugly ass epic moto everything epic moto makes is ugly i'm saying it on this podcast Ooh, that's strong word dude right it's uglier than a mud fence wow they just those bikes to me are garbage looking yep. they yep. just they're bl- chunky and clunky and they're not there's no fluidity to them at all and then you you so you have the trask swing arm legend you got to put legend in the front yet right i did yeah it's, it has legend got, in the front oh yeah front and rear yep it's got the uh, why don't i remember that i figured i would have done did i not do that james did it in my garage in jacksonville oh okay yeah. i got gotcha, you i got gotcha. you <laughs> Yeah, it's got Legends uh, drop-ins in the front. It's got uh, Revo arcs in the back. With the piggybacks, because I put the piggyback. Yep, you made. I, I did the. the you did the, a little bit back. of. You did. You did a little bit of. Um, little custom design because they didn't make bracketry for the piggybacks to sit on top for that old of a bike. Gotcha. So you did a little bit of fab work and made those work. It looks really. And then cool. we put a Thundermax in it. Yep. Uh, we did the ignition switch mm-hmm. and the the switch delete deal, and mm-hmm. so that one's the- that one's pretty much a a stock 103. I did do I changed the pistons and rings out. I did an SNS 551 cam, uh, and of course opened up the air clear, air cleaner. Um, Graphio pipe. Graphio. Yep. Graphio did a custom pipe. It's a one off pipe. You can contact Graphio for that pipe. It's called the NSC pipe. Nothing stock cam. It's pretty cool. He had just reposted that yesterday, actually. And with the new paint? With the new paint, yeah. Yeah, that's a that that pipe sounds really good, and the craftsmanship is yeah. is dynamite. On it. And nice. you have mids on that. I do. Are you going to stay stick with the mids on that? Uh, yes, on that bike I will. Uh, I have another build in mind when we finish Ruby up and do some things with her. 
Um, I've got another build in mind for a little more comfort. Uh, there's nothing uncomfortable about mids on a bagger except for I'm good for about a hundred miles. And then I want to kind of stretch my legs a little bit. Um, I know there are some companies that make a crash bar for the front that have kind of a built down highway peg kind of deal. But I think this one, I just want to leave naked in the front. There's, there is one more thing to do to the big boy that that's gotta be done. And that's, uh, at my own fault. I have let the oil cooler, uh, get pretty nasty on the bottom side. Oh, yeah. I really need to swap the oil cooler or delete it. Yeah. I mean, you know, either way, Yeah. either way, I don't, I'm not, a, I, I guess if it comes, my, my rule on oil coolers are, if it comes from the factory, it needs it. If it didn't come from the factory, it doesn't need it. That's yeah. just my, my rule on those. And that's a weird, that's a weird thing. Cause 2010, <clears throat> the factory ro- regular road King did not come with one. Well, this is a, a cop. Yeah. Right. This so is a cop bike. It, right. Yeah. So that makes sense that that would be on there. Cause they ride in, in a lot of situations sure. that they could benefit from a, an air to oil cooler. I would say on that bike, and, and I wouldn't. I, I would. I would probably do three things on that bike. I would. I would upgrade to all diamond fasteners. Mm-hmm. I would probably put a Trask um, subframe. No, not ah, the. That's what I want to do. Is it no? I Trask. Would do, hey Nick, if you're listening, I need a Trask <laughs> subframe, dude. I'm running your swing arm. Match me up. <laughs> I think a Trask spoiler in the front. I like their little their little performance spoiler. Yeah, yeah. And then I would put. Uh, I would you know let's get the heads poured and polished with yeah. bigger valves on it. Yeah. You know even with the 551s, it's probably not a bad camshaft. I like the. I, we you know we use a different cam here on on our builds, but if I'm going to mess with the heads, I also want to do the HPI throttle body and do a little bigger inje- little bigger injector. Yeah. yeah, I mean you know the 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 factory injector would do quite a bit of work, um, but uh, a little bit bigger throttle body would definitely. But if I'm there, it's only money, right? Well, there's a certain point though where the vol- the the efficiency of the duty cycle on those those you see that's the thing that people have to understand with like if you want to talk about that like. There is a certain point of, you know, I like volumetric efficiency. I'm not just into putting the biggest motor in a bike. I'm not into just putting the biggest cam in a motor. I'm not into putting the biggest valves and cylinder heads. You know, I am like, I like engines that make power at a at an efficient rate. Right. Because you can have something that doesn't make any discernible power. It, it I would rather have a 95 inch motor that makes about 110 foot pound and right at 100 105 horsepower mm-hmm. than to have a 110 screaming eagle that makes the same or less mm-hmm. because the the 110s from the factory the cvo 110s that they're they're too low on compression mm-hmm. the cylinder heads aren't as efficient as what they could be and um the cams are bullshit like you know i don't i'm not, i don't subscribe to the Screaming Eagle catalog for very many things. Mm-hmm. There's some things that Harley does a really, really great job on. They they have some great engineering. That's a great place to start for a lot of things, but they have limitations too. Like I do not like their tuner. I do not advocate the use of their tuner end of, mm-hmm. you know, you have big brother in that and you have to, you're, you're held captive. You have to go back to the dealer and, and you know, they're doing that as much as they can, especially now that Harley got in trouble this year with the FTC and, and all the lying that they did for years. Um, that they don't they don't want those bikes leaving without a certain amount of performance stuff on them because they want to own that customer for life right. and that's how they're going to get them is is create a situation where they have to go back right? right that's what's so brilliant about a thunder max is a thunder max is a new ecm 
and I don't know that Thunder Max has it for 2022s yet. As as you know, as we're recording this, they may have though. They may, and and I'm and I should be up on that. But if not, they're right behind it. You know, uh, we do a lot of techno research here. We do a lot of Thunder Max here. But I I have my own deal, and I like something that makes a lot of power efficiently, not just something who makes a lot of power clunky. Sure. You know, sure. I like the way those engines, dude. Uh, an engine that runs at a at a premium volumetric efficiency sounds you can hear it in in the engine sound the, the exhaust note and you know somebody who has a has an ear that's developed that over time you know that's why i like pro stock mm-hmm. like pro stock cars they're limited to 500 cubic inches and they make a fuck ton of power you know you have well over a thousand <laughs> Uh, NASCAR, I don't know much about NASCAR anymore, but it used to be a long time ago. They were limited to 358 cubic inches and they're making like 750 to 850 in horsepower. That is fucking amazing. And they're doing it for 500 miles, right? You can hear those engines, the way they run, the way they rev, it, it's just, it's something, it's something that's very awesome. Yeah, so, absolutely. yeah, so I, I would say on your bike, any bike, twin cams benefit from having better cylinder heads, more compression and a good cam. Sure. You know. So Ruby, let's get back to Ruby. Ruby's going to be done today. Uh, let's talk about the paint. The paint's fantastic. So, excuse me. Uh, when <laughs> I dropped the tins for the big boy off to Fisher Alleyway, and he had had them for, I would say, about two weeks, and he was sending me some updates every couple of days. He, I'll tell you one thing about Fish. He is so good at updating the, the client. Uh, you know, I, I'm i someone who I just want to be involved so bad. I want to see what's going on, like how we doing. Not that I'm trying to rush you by any means. I just like to know. Like, I want to post it on social media. I want to get the word out. Like, hey, this is where I'm going to be. This is what you can see. This is the newest thing going on in my life right now. So anyway, he had been there about two weeks, and he was sending stuff, and I could see the direction. I had a couple questions because I've never been involved in the paint world ever. So he would send me a picture and I was like, well, why is he doing that? I I didn't ask for that color. And it's the first time that you also (laughs) dropped something off and And, had it custom painted. And I, yeah, I said, go with it. I gave him a couple color options. I said, hey, just go with it. And he did. And man, I'm so glad I chose him because he really did a great job. Anyway, he had had it about two weeks, sent me some updates. And then this whole Ruby thing fell on my lap. And I just knew. I knew he was the one to take it to. There are a ton of fantastic painters. I know a couple of painters personally that are very, 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 very talented. And my deal with this one was fish is right in my backyard. And so it was easy for me to drive everything over there. You know, I I, I knew where it was at, what was going on. I didn't have to ship it. I didn't have to worry about that kind of cost, hassle, expense, everything. So um, I took Ruby tins to him after two weeks with the big boy, not even knowing how it was going to look in the end. Well, now, of course, I'm glad I did because the big boy and Ruby, uh, you've seen them. I know I've posted plenty of pictures and videos. I've not seen the Road King in person. You haven't? Mm -mm. Well, you got to see that. That's absolutely gorgeous. Anyway, but you've seen Ruby now, and the tens on Ruby, I just didn't, I didn't even give him colors on that, except that he knew that I needed some gold in there for some accents, uh, and he knew that I needed some, like, ruby red color, uh, and he went nuts on it, and uh, again, Fish, I'm sorry, I don't know the colors you used, I know there's, like, a a shade of ruby red, there's, like, an orange, uh, there's, um, 
hand turned gold uh, leaf gold leaf uh a lot of flake in there it's just a beautiful beautiful paint job fish is so talented <laughs> thanks again man and it was funny because halfway through the the road king paint job before you even i think it was before you even dropped off the tins for ruby because mm-hmm. uh, i want to come back to that but you you called me and you're like i don't know man like i'm really having a hard time with this and i was like <laughs> I'm like, listen, man, you got to trust the process. You got to just leave them alone. Just was, let them do it. Like, yeah. give them some colors, give them some ideas, and just leave them alone. That's how you're going to get, that's how you're going to get the best paint job. If you want to get the best paint job from Jace Hudson, mm-hmm. tell them what colors you want and fuck off. Sure. You want to get the best paint from Robert Pradkey, tell them what you want and fuck off. Sure. You want to get James to do it, whether it be Hot Dog or, you know, James Patience or anyone. Mm-hmm. If you want the painter to do a good job, you want them to be passionate about what they're doing. Sure. You know, and just tell them what you have to have. Sure. Tell them you're not willing to accept and then give them the color palette and and then leave. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, it's the paint can make or break a custom motorcycle. End of. And that's why, like, some of my favorite motorcycles, some of my most favorite motorcycles that have ever been built. One of them is all black. Mm. Tom Foster's uh, Landshark. Mm Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen Tom Foster's Land Shark, all you guys that listen to the podcast and are, you know, have been in the scene, got into the scene the last five years when the performance thing took off. If you don't know who Tom Foster is, then you need to. Mm-hmm. You need to Google Tom Foster, Crazy Fast Cracker, and understand that that bike was built in 02 or 01, mm-hmm. right? And then he ha- and then go back in that guy's in that guy's repertoire and look at what that guy did. This guy was Southern California. Okay. This dude lived in the barrio. Mm-hmm. Hardcore was a Boeing engineer. And until two years ago, stayed in the barrio and moved to NorCal. His son is a is a very very well respected, well regarded, well known tattoo artist oh, okay. uh, that works at Sims Inc. Um, and another another motorcycling family that that uh, that doesn't get enough credit for what they've done for the industry. Ron Sims and and Hunter Sims and uh, I can't Dane Sims. Okay, those guys don't get enough credit for for being one of the first families of you know. Everybody talks about Bates. If you think of the Bay Area for for motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes right to Arlen Ness. In who's the king, the Godfather, whatever you want, whatever you want to call it, the king, the king of customs, right? Sure. You have, but then in in the Bay Area, you all said Ron Sims, all the way back to the early seventies, you know, mm-hmm. and they're still in business. Yeah, you know, and they're, they're they're a second generation business too. Can you imagine how much more famous somebody like Ron Sims would be if we had social media thirty years ago? I, I, you know, I, um, I don't know if we would get the Ron Sims that we got if social media was around. Okay. And, and, you know, you don't get guys like my dad, you don't get guys like Steve Broyles, you don't get guys like Ron Sims, you don't get guys like Dave Perowitz through social media. Those guys are galvanized in, in what they did in a way that people that have social media, even there's even dudes in my generation, like I use social media a lot, probably too much, but there's dudes in my, you know, like I put everything in kind of like generational classes. Like, you know, you're, what year did you graduate high school? Right? Like 98, right? Uh-huh. 
Was it 98? Oh, no, it was 04. 04. Okay, so like you graduated class of 04. There's class of 01. There's class of, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's dudes that like, that. you have the Ron Sims, the Arlen Ness, the Dave Perowitz, the Arlen Fatlins, the the Mondo Porras. Um, and then before before those dudes, kind of in the same in the same area, you have like the Randy Smiths and the Dick Allens and the uh, Tom Fugles and the Ed Roths, right, that were... Just ahead of those guys that didn't really make this be the industry be what it is today, mm -hmm. but they created the industry so that guys like Arlen Ness, Dave Perowitz, Donnie Smith could could get to create in an you know create an industry for guys like us. Sure, right. But um, I don't know how I got on that. So, oh, we were talking about performance bikes, talking about painters. Sorry, yeah. I get on these tangents, and I know people send me DMs like, "Shut the fuck up, let your guest talk." <laughs> um, but um, I was talking about Tom Foster and how what I'm trying to get is the performance scene is not a scene. Right. It's been around forever. Okay. Like it's been it's it just it, there's certain dudes that have been in it. You know, Roland Sands is another one that's if you look at all of his bikes, they all perform. They're all got big motors, big tires, you know, big brakes, that kind of stuff. Sure. But fish, I told you to, to just trust the process. Yeah. Glad I did. So you said Ruby fell in your lap. Mm hmm. I, I I know what happened, but I, I I'd like for you to kind of tell could, could tell the story going sure. going back to February because sure. I got I got a text message from you. It was a really eerie text message, and it it really made me stop in my tracks and think about a couple of things because of how close you and I are and how much distance there is between where we live. Because you you exist in Jacksonville, I exist mm -hmm. in in Lakeland. Mm -hmm. And then there's, there's like four of us, you know, you got TikTok over in England, you got Cody out in Abilene. None of us are like, can just shoot on over. Right. So you, you send me a text and if I go back and look it, I think it just said, um, James is dead. I think it's all you sent me. I just don't remember. I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but, uh, I got uh, Karen and I, my wife were uh, in the kitchen cooking dinner. And I got a phone call from, uh, I hate to use the word widow, but I'll just say James's wife, um, Rebecca. She said, are you sitting down? And I just, I guess it was the tone. Go ahead. It was uh, Saturday, February 12th, 8.25 p.m. It just says, my buddy, my buddy James is dead. Okay. So I think that I copied and pasted that to a few people. That's why it says my buddy, because I knew you knew him. Yeah. He was here at your shop doing stuff on the big boy uh, on more than one occasion. Yeah. So anyway, um, his uh, his wife called, and I'm very close with his wife, always have been. Um, a, a lifetime ago, the three of us actually shared a place that we all lived in, and this is way before they were married and all that kind of good stuff. But she said, you sitting down. It was just the tone of her voice. I guess I know her so well that I could I knew something was up. And I, Rebecca, I'm, I'm going to make you listen to this podcast because, you know, I need to publicly apologize, I guess. I was real rude to her the way I said it. I said in a very uh, curt, almost an angry tone, I said, get it out because I knew I just knew something was up. And uh, she just said, he's gone. And I said, what happened? And she told me just very briefly what she knew. She wasn't on the scene yet or anything. And I guess it had just happened within the last 20 minutes of her calling me. And uh, I just remember sitting down and not much else after that for several days. It took me, a, I think it took me a few days to process it. 
I've still got some voicemails that he left. And, of course, I have our whole text thread. James and I talked uh, every day, including the day he passed. Um, he was at a tattoo appointment. I was at a tattoo appointment in different cities at the same time. Uh, and so that's that. <clears throat> Moving forward. I <clears throat> Ruby was uh, not on my mind at all. Uh, what was on my mind was, you know, making sure uh, that Rebecca knew, you know, what to do. I know that she has, her parents are still living and uh, James's mom is still alive. And so she had some, you know, very adult, uh, wise, experienced people in her corner to try to help her through that kind of stuff. You know, arranging a funeral is not the easiest of tasks. It doesn't matter who you are, how old you are. Uh, especially when your husband's 35, you're just not prepared for that at that age. You know what I mean? No. Well, not only that, but it's not that, that industry is not set up to facilitate anything other than, I'm sorry, you know, weddings and funerals are, you know, my family was in the funeral business forever. Yeah. So I get it. You know, it's, uh, anyway, I'm not going to go there. Yeah. My, my grandfather would be disappointed. But, no, no, no. Uh, but I mean, I, I don't think you're you're not talking out of school. I, right. I think what you're saying is honestly is it's like you know, yeah, you understand that space and yep. and you know what I mean. It is what it is. People are happy to pay it mm-hmm. for sure. So anyway, I just wanted to make sure that she was on the right track and that people weren't going to try to take advantage of her. Those were the kind of things that were on my mind. Is if uh, if I were taken on that day, I would hope that James or you or Cody or TikTok would call my wife and say, hey, what do you need help with? Because we understand that this was sudden. You probably have never planned a funeral. You probably don't know what it's going to take financially. Um, you know, what What do we What do we need to do here? Right. So um, that's what I did for her. So, you know, we got through that process. And uh, luckily I didn't, you know, she didn't, I, I don't know why I said luckily. She didn't need me. She had plenty of people in her corner, which is good. Uh and so finally, after a couple of weeks, I thought about Ruby and, uh, I don't remember who brought it up. It wasn't me. I know that I had spoken with a couple of James and my mutual friends about Ruby. Uh, and then Rebecca kind of told me in passing that there were a couple of our mutual friends that, uh, were going to assist in putting her back together and maybe doing some custom work, et cetera. And I said, okay, that's fine. And, uh, then, you know, a few months went by and I'd reached out to Rebecca and I said, Hey, what's been done, uh, on the FXR? She said, nothing yet. You know, everybody's busy, which I get. Uh, but I don't think anybody knew, um, that James and I found Ruby together. Right. We were there to kind of negotiate the deal, make it happen, et cetera. We had started planning some design ideas and things like that. I know Rebecca knew that, but I don't think any of our mutual friends knew that. Um, and so I kind of had a place to go uh, with Ruby. And so I, I put the bug in Rebecca's ear. I said, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like to do this bike. I'd like to build it. I'd like to put my money into it um, and handle it. And... She said, uh, it was a very quick response from her. She said, I would love for you to do this. Um, I talked to James's mom and she would love for you to do this. Uh, we would love for you to have this bike. 
she, she gave me the bike and the title and said, you know, do what y'all talked about doing, what you think he would want to see. And uh, the funny part about that is <laughs> uh, James had champagne ideas <laughs> on, on tuna fish budget <laughs> on a Miller high life budget. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, he was good with money and, and he could make whatever happened that he wanted to happen, happen. Right. Uh, but he just rarely did. And so, uh, well, I think he had a tendency to pull back from, um, certain things that would be of, of higher ilk. Yeah. Knowing that about himself. Right. And try to find an alternative that, yeah, emulated that that kind of that look and that space, but right. he didn't he didn't have the ability to pull it off in a way that a lot of other people do, and it, which is so weird because when you look at the body of work that he did and what he did for a living, it was nothing for him to work on a multi million dollar yacht, not a thing, multi million dollar home, yep. multi you know I mean yep. very expensive. He didn't do a lot of automobile stuff, no, but the no. stuff that he did he picked and choose the stuff he didn't do any he wasn't fucking reupholstering pinto seats no you know and he he was such a talented human being when it come to that i think i I think very few i'm sorry to interrupt you but i think i want to give her a shout out very few people know this but his wife if she's not advertising it she's only doing it for certain people but she has actually taught herself after years of watching james she's taught herself how to do upholstery work on boats and yachts etc and she's doing a fantastic job. Seriously, she's doing double diamond stitching. She's doing different patterns. She's doing different materials. She's getting very talented at that. Yeah, and I think that people who are artistically talented mm-hmm. um, can do lots can do lots of different types of art mm-hmm. in lots of different spaces. I mean, there's you, you have guys like Darren McKaig. Mm-hmm who is an, an amazing tattoo artist that is also an amazing painter and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And an amazing photographer and can build motorcycles. And I think once you're an artist, that's the one thing I'm not, I'm not an artist. That's, yeah. I think that's why I struggle so much. I'm a mechanic mm-hmm. first and foremost. I don't have any engineering skills at all. And so m- everything that I do is um, function first and then form later. And an artist knows how to properly, sometimes an artist only knows how things look. Like there's bike builders, there's not very many of them right now that do it like this. But back in the early 2000s, there was a lot of artists that became bike builders that their bikes, you could break them riding off a curb. Yeah. You know? Uh, I find, I'm not an artist at all. Uh, I couldn't draw you... um, Anything. Seriously. Dude, your handwriting I looks can't. like you wrote it with your fucking foot. Yeah, it's terrible. I, I, I'm not an artist by any means, uh, and I'm definitely not a mechanic. I can strip a bolt with the best of them. <laughs> Seriously. The, I, th- this is a true story. Sturgis two years ago, the last time I went, was able to go. Uh, I went up to a shop in Tennessee, Booster Brad Chop Shop. I went up there to meet with him. Right. And... This is true. I, oh, I I hate to say this. I'm people are about to hate on me real hard, but Brad actually taught me how to change my oil in the in the road king because I had never done it. That's not. I'm not kidding. Right. So he was like, "Oh, this is what you do." It was very easy, but I'd never done it. So I think it probably took me like five hours to do it, <laughs> but I did it. And 
I probably should do that again. I don't think I've changed the oil in two years. But <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> Shout out to Redline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, that was that. But anyway, what I was saying is, I'm not an artist. I'm not a mechanic. What I can do though, and what I've always done with my actual job is, I have a mind for seeing things finished before they're even started, and I can put colors together in my head, and I can put parts together in my head. So, you know, with any of the Dinas I've done, the baggers I've done, this FXR, the last FXR, I, I can, I, I have, I think you said this at one point, and I'm going to use it now, uh, and I'm probably going to butcher it, but I've got my finger on the pulse of the parts world. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, you do. So I, I, I stay up to date and what's the latest, greatest, what looks good, what colors are they anodizing them in, you know, what color options do they have. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, building aluminum parts that have been anodized, now more so over the powder coating stuff. Um, so I keep in, in, in tune with all that. And I kind of build a bike in my head, and then I get with a shop like Cycle Stop USA or Dream Rides Tennessee or whoever is going to do that build. Right. Um, and I say, look, this is what I want. These are the parts I'm going to use or I want you to use. Right. This is how I want it done. Now, I need you to put the wrench on it and do it because I'm just not serious. When I say I can strip a bolt, I'm not kidding. Well, no, I know that. And like I always tell people, the, the, you're, the only tool you have is a checkbook or a credit card. Oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You've got the same tool set that Lynn Edwards has. Oh! <laughs> Shout out to Lynn Edwards. Ouch. 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 But you know what? I mean, that's everybody's. Everybody's got their own their own set of skills, and you've always the thing that that's what I love about like people like you and people like Midwestern Grinder, even Cody, is that you guys really like parts, mm -hmm. and you want to know what's new, and you want to you know you understand the fitment and all that stuff. So I can have a conversation with somebody who's not in the industry in a professional right. capacity and still talk to you or Aaron or Cody about the parts that are coming out. And sure. sometimes, you know, Cody's really good for this. Like, Hey, did you see this? Uh -huh. And Aaron is too. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, everybody's Instagram feed looks different. Sure. Right. So like mine is whatever I'm, you know, the way that algorithm populates, mm -hmm. I don't know how yours is, but I mean, if it's parts, 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 mine's usually pet videos and fart mm -hmm. videos, and <laughs> car videos. And, you know, it's funny. Like that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a good, good way to put it is that you've always known, um, mm -hmm. you've always been into the parts side of thing. Even when you worked here, it was, you know, you at the front counter with the enthusiasm of selling somebody something, uh, that goes a long way with a customer. Yeah. If you're enthusiastic about their motorcycle, that that shows them that you're, you know, they, they want to do business with you because you're excited about what they want to do. I just scrolled through the first hundred images on my Instagram. Just to tell you where my Instagram page is, it's mostly parts. You mean your, your personal my feed? My personal feed. Okay. Yep. No, like what I've posted. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, what I was referring to is what... Oh, what you're seeing. Okay, I understand. Yeah. I'm sorry. So that's what... That that has to do with what you search for, right? Exactly. Okay. So, yeah, that's... Mine's a pretty good mixture. I have... Man, I've got a lot of spam on mine. A lot of advertisements. 
Um, so I'm just scrolling here. Yeah, it's mainly motorcycle. James Carter seats. Uh, yeah, he's constantly on my feed. There's Russ Wernermark Designs. And I know that I'm seeing them right now because they just, I've been tagging them uh, with a couple of things. And they've been liking that stuff. Soft Graham. I don't even know why. Right. Anyway, back to who is Midwestern Grinder? Who is that guy? Uh, ah, I'm just kidding. Coy, I'm just kidding, buddy. Um, that's funny. Um, but no, so, but yeah, you've always been, you've always had a, a good idea of, of what's, of what's coming out next and what's, mm. you know, and, and that makes it easy to work with you on a project because not only do you kind of already know what you want to do, you're, you're kind of already got one foot in the door on and, and getting it and using it and having it and, and being in the right place at the right time to get the part. Like you, I didn't know about Graphio. Mm-hmm. until you showed me that i didn't know about um there was something else that you bought that i don't remember well okay so the cases when we put those cases the case hardware that you got you got that for someone in uh if i'm not mistaken in canada right it was canada uh i i don't i wish i could remember how i found them uh but i was looking for a different way to store things on the road king uh, without using stock saddlebags, because why? Nothing stock cam. <laughs> so, so I, I really don't remember how I found those, but uh, Elite Touring Innovations is the name of the company uh, out of Canada, and they are Elite underscore Touring underscore Innovations. And what he did was he manufactured the bracketry to... Back, I got the first generation the first time I had that bike built, which was just bolt on and leave it. But now the new style, which I have, which I'm running now, I've bought another set from him. Uh, it's quick detach. You bought new bags too, if I, I remember correctly. I did because the first time I went with those, the knockoff Apaches, and there's nothing wrong. They're great, great cases. But he was running a special. It seemed like it was Black Friday last year, where if you bought his brackets, he'd throw in a set of actual Pelicans. And I knew I was going to do some black and red on that bike, so I did the black Pelicans with the red latches, which turned out really cool. But anyway, Elite Touring Innovations, that's where I got that stuff. And they're aluminum. They come uh, back then. Man, I don't know if he does different colors now, but I know he does raw, polished, and black. And uh, they're really trick for baggers, man. He's doing Dyna and FXR now. Really? Uh, Yep. And, uh, And I'm sure... I haven't been to his site in a while because I'm I haven't been doing a case run, but I'm sure he's going to be doing it. But he's not already for the soft tail line, so yeah, really cool stuff. Elite touring innovations. Elite underscore touring underscore innovations. Touring. I got to go back out of here then. <clears throat> Let's see here. Boom, boom. Elite underscore touring underscore. Nice. Okay, there it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah. Give him a fall. Fo- I was already following him. Very yeah. good. No, that's rad. That's very cool. Yep. Yeah, and he's got a, it looks like he does uh like he's and I think that's a soft tail on there. Yeah, but um so Ruby's got Ruby's gonna be done today. You're going to V T V. Yep. Looking I'm really excited about that. Uh, a lot of people like the big huge bike events, the Sturgis's, the Daytonas, the Laconia, all that stuff, Arizona Bike Week. Uh, for me, 
the V Twin Visionary and show uh, Smoky Mountain Tour in Maryville, Tennessee, is where it's at. It is some of the most beautiful riding you can ever find in this country. Uh, with some real, it's a really good group of dudes and and ladies that show up there for that event. Uh, Jeff G. Holt and his crew put on a fantastic time. It's it's a riding show. So you can go spend your time there at Smoky Mountain Harley Davidson at the Shed Juke Joint and uh, spend the day doing the shows and see all the vendors and eat some good food and have some drinks. But you also have rides everywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere well, and every day. Yeah, you can ride. Yep. Uh, there's So the thing I like about that place is, it's number one, it's a giant dealership, and mm-hmm. it's a cool dealership. Mm-hmm. It's not like just any dealership. There's lots of cool stuff in the dealership, and there's right. a lot of cool people that work there. Right. The, they're very welcoming to the mischief that goes on in the parking lot. There, sure. There's not a bunch of rules stuff. There is a barbecue joint there on the property. There's a bar on the property and there's a concert venue on the property. So it's like when I went last year, we Karen and I rode the tail of the dragon so that I could tell her, you know, so that we could both know that she had been on it. And sure. went. But ultimately you wouldn't even have to, if you wanted to go to an event and have a good time there, you wouldn't have to, to, you wouldn't have to break the bank and you're not having to, you're not no having way. to go 10 different places. Like you would, I'm not besmirching Sturgis or no, Daytona. I mean, no. you know, Daytona will always be my favorite event mm-hmm. ever like mm-hmm. rally. But, uh, I do, I, I am very, very reticent that I'm not going to, uh, the VTV this year. What's great about the VTV in Maryville. And I'm sure this will change once it gets bigger and bigger. Cause it seems to get bigger every year. Uh, but what hasn't changed yet is the hotels and motels in the community don't know what's <laughs> happening, so they haven't raised their rates. And they have that <laughs> certain middle south of the country uh, ilk to them that uh-huh. they haven't they haven't really got with. I don't know. There's something about Tennessee. It's the only other state in the in the country I think I would move to at this yeah. point in my life talking about the ilk of the, the people that live there for the most part, you know, if they, if they knew that, 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 that FXR in their parking lot costs $40,000 to build or whatever, you know, they might raise the rate to $120 a night instead of 55. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. but it's still Merrillville and it's uh-huh. outside of Knoxville. That's right. So Ruby's got, so let's finish up and talk, yeah. talk a little bit about Ruby. What, what's, what's your favorite part on Ruby? It's a toss-up between the speed dealer swing arm right. and the paint. Uh, the fish did Alleyway Customs did a really neat um, Harley Davidson style tank badge uh, out of paint, of course. Um, is, it's not, is it called a badge? I think it's uh, yeah. I mean, decal. I don't know. It's not a decal no. though. He he did it. No, he it's did paint. Proper, it's paint. Yeah. yeah. No. But anyway, he emulated a factory stock style. Correct. So it has that factory. Correct. F- that's one of those bikes you walk by it a couple times and realize that it doesn't necessarily right. say what right. you think it does. Right. So, and, and then the way he incorporated Ruby in that design on the tank is just stellar. He broke up the, the two tone paints with that, the gold leaf. Uh, anyway, the swing arm. Trask makes a gorgeous bagger swing arm. I have it on the Big Boy FXR. Um, and then I th- that's what I was considering running uh, on the FXR. And then I get a call from a couple of different people. It was a toss-up between the Trask uh, and then Providence Cycle Works out of Austin, Texas. 
they're coming out with a new design swing arm. Yeah, for the FXR. That is beautiful. Uh, and then Frank at Speed Dealer. Those were the three. Uh, so Frank at Speed Dealer and I share a house with a couple of people at Sturgis a couple of times. Have shared, I should say, a couple of times. And Frank and his wife are just super sweet uh, Midwest Missouri folk. Right. And uh, he reached out and he said, hey, uh, I just put these out. You would have, I think I've got like the fourth one in the world. Because they just dropped them. I, they just hit the website like a week or two ago. Yeah. So I ha- I think I've got the fourth. Frank, man, reach out and let me know. I, I don't remember. I think I've got the fourth one in the world, though. And he said, I'd really like to do this for you. What are your colors? Uh, so I did uh, the gold accents to go with the paint, etc. And so that's the toss-up. The swing arm and the paint, those are my two favorite things. Uh, the close third, um, for sure, is uh, I happened to luck up. We were in the middle of uh, rebuilding the factory 80-inch Evo for that bike. And I never, I have never done um, a big motor in anything. And then I get a call that there, or I, for, I guess you first didn't I, get a call. You saw it on first. Insta. I saw it on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I called I got you. A call. Yeah, yeah, I, I got a call. You. I said, Hey, hey what, are you, what are you doing with that SNS motor? It's a beautiful SNS polished uh, 117. Uh, will that fit this FXR? He goes, uh, Yeah, it's for an FXR, dumb dumb. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's exactly what you said. <laughs> Did I call you a dumb dumb? I, I don't think I called you a dumb dumb. I don't know. You'd have to look at, go back to the text messages and anyway, get the. I went with that, and that thing is like, um, I, you know, a solitaire engagement ring is the classic engagement ring design, right? Right. A uh, little gold band, giant rock in the middle. That's what I feel <laughs> like the SNS is for me. Uh, I've got this beautiful gold band, which is the paint and the swing arm all wrapped around it. Uh, and then I've got this diamond in the middle. And that's the the SNS polished Evo. So. I'm looking up the text right now to see oh, okay. if if it what it was that we said because uh, let's see here. Oh man, I'm okay. So here we go. It's like uh, <laughs> the t- the me. text says I will not be ignored, and I was like, I'll holler in a few. If you still have pictures of that motor on your phone, please text them to me. I think that's where the conversation started. Let's see here. <laughs> this is so fucking funny, dude. Oh man, I don't I don't remember exactly if it was just a phone call or what. But when you go back and read the text, the the, mm-hmm. the thread from the text messages that we sent each other, it's people would think we hate each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're leaving tomorrow for VTV. This going to be Thursday. This will come out. I'll I'll either release this tomorrow or Friday so you guys can listen to it on, on uh, if I release it tomorrow, you'll be able to listen to it in the car. That'd be great. If you could do it tonight or tomorrow, that'd be perfect because I would love to listen to it and I want people to know and be reminded that the VTV, V-20 Visionary is happening this weekend. Yeah, so if you're anywhere within the Knoxville, Tennessee area, it's and it's only a day's ride from Bullcrap. I'm coming from, eight hours away. Florida. You, you can do it too. I can't. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not saying you yeah i'm saying you don't have to be within distance you, you throw it in the truck and come on yeah but i'm saying it's not it's not like you're going into somewhere where there's not somewhere no. to stay and there's no. not somewhere to eat and no. there's good people there so i'm very i'm very bummed out that i'm not going to make it but uh i appreciate it you've been here for now for but keith and julie are probably going to be glad to be rid of you after the v twin visionary mm-hmm. you've been at their house for five fucking days mm-hmm. that's all right 
That's all right. We've eaten good while you're here. Mm-hmm. Done some good. We've had some some good some good laughs. So now it's just time to go out in the garage and uh, and actually uh, hear this thing fire under and, and watch it ride under its own power. I'm so ready. All right. I love you, buddy. Love you too. All right.